This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I pushed a button and it was supposed to go live, but it didn't, but now it did. The universe just does what it's gonna do, guys. Come on in. Um, little quick housekeeping. I haven't done a lot of videos on YouTube in the last month. I was on a silent meditation retreat. I did do an interview with Dr. Ron Sinha about the emotional metabolism and continuous glucose monitoring and metabolic disease and that kind of stuff. And again, the common denominator is like the mind and the body and all this stuff are just one kind of happening. So what I wanna talk about today, first the housekeeping, we are a podcast, you know. So increasingly I'm gonna focus on making sure we sound good for the podcast. So you can find us on all your favorite podcast um, apps, the ZDog MD show. And I'll try to port this over to the podcast after it goes live. But right now we're live. And what is today? It's Sunday, December 4th, the year of our Lord, 2022. And I'm going to ask, who are you in today's show of Sunday's End Live? And that sounds like a dumb question, doesn't it? Like, who are you? Well, I know who I am. I'm Zubin, I'm the kid who went to med school and then became a hospitalist doctor and was at Stanford for 10 years and then quit because he was burned out and started making videos on YouTube and then went to Las Vegas and built a clinic and married um, a radiologist and had two wonderful kids and so on and so forth and so on, right? And we all have that particular story. And I can tell you, even right now, I know who I am. I'm this body that's sitting here looking at a camera and talking to a bunch of people live, in fact, uh, you know, on, on YouTube. And I see their comments like Amy and Jana and Irene and Ashley, and they're all here. And Sue Boleyn, uh, who was Ashley and Sue were at our last retreat, a silent retreat for five days. Um, so I know who I am, right? So what if I told you all of that could be seen through to be just a case of mistaken identity, just a misapprehension of our experience where our mind, our thoughts tell a story about who we are. And if you look closely, you might just see that, wow, that is a story. So who or what am I when I don't believe that story and instead just look in the present moment, in this very moment, in this experience for who or what you are. 
And, you know, when you talk about meditation, when you talk about any kind of spirituality, all the great religions, even the sense in, in atheism that there's a kind of an awe when you experience the universe, the majesty of the cosmos. Like, what if I told you really the roots of all of that, all of that sort of quest that humans have, the hero's journey that humans have, could be simply reduced to who am I? Really, when I look, who is this I? What is this me that I keep referring to in thought? And when the roots of identity are seen clearly or through, we can just say that, well, I can't tell you what that is, but it's what we, it's what we are. And when you actually see that clearly as that, it kind of changes everything. In fact, that's all you really need to do if you're trying to end suffering, if you care about that. If you don't care about that, you probably want to turn this off because you'll just be like, <laughs> and I know there's a segment of the YouTube. I often don't do this on YouTube because I know the YouTube audience is a little different and they've been on board for say, things I talk about with COVID about our divisions and trying to find a synthesis position, um, making sense of the world, those kind of things, which are all actually compatible with what I'm talking about now, but maybe you didn't sign up for this. So it's cool if you kind of check out for this one. But if this at all kind of triggers your interest, like, wait, what is he talking about? Yeah, hang out for a bit. And one thing I'll tell you is, when I talk about this stuff, I'm trying to talk about it from the present moment state that I'm trying to point at. And that means there'll be as much communication in the silence, in the pauses in between whatever's being said by whoever's saying it because I could tell you right now, I have no idea where these words even come from. And honestly, when you open your mouth, you don't know either because you don't choose your thoughts, they arise. And once you see that, that's another way to look in at the root of what are you? But it's that silence often that is as, if not more important, when you're asking the question, who am I? And so a lot of meditation or these kind of practices are trying to see through this mistaken identity that you are a separate self, separate from your experience, that has a history that extends into something called the past and that will extend, God willing, into something called the future and that you're here now in the form of a body and a mind that are separate and you're interacting with a world that's separate and other beings that are separate from you. So that's our fundamental operating system and it comes online when we're very, very, very young. 
there's a creation of in the toddler of self and other very quickly. And it's a creation of mind. It's a creation of thought. Because I think it's when you, when you met, meditate or don't meditate, just inquire, self-inquiry. Like, what really am I when I look right here and right now without any story, without believing a single thought which means we have to actually recognize what a thought is, right? So some practice in meditation kind of helps with that because if you get good at watching thought, you start to get a feel for what thought is. Where does it come from? Where does it go? Where do you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? Sometimes that just happens. Um, <laughs> but where, where does a thought arise from? You can watch that thought space. Some people call that consciousness, thought stuff. Where does a thought subside into? What does a thought refer to? A lot of times it feels like a thought refers to the thinker of the thought. So in that same space of experience, you can look back and see where's the thinker. That's a kind of self-inquiry. It's a kind of a, who am I? Or you can simply ask the question in your mind, what am I? Who am I? Where am I? There's a lot of different self-inquiry questions. And my friend Angelo DeLulo has written a book on this called Awake, It's Your Turn, and he has chapters on self-inquiry. And he is a master pointer at this stuff. For me, it's amateur hour, and honestly, the only reason I'm doing it, it's no, for no one's benefit, but whatever this is. Because the more I investigate this for myself on a live YouTube video with you and I can feel all that presence, it's a very powerful inquiry for me. And so looking internally and saying, okay, right now, because I, I'll tell you, and, and again, So much of what I've talked about over the last two years during the COVID nightmare has to do with identity. The root causes of so much of our suffering has to do with identity. And what do I mean by that? I don't mean our true identities. I mean the identities that this matrix has sort of fooled us into thinking. And the matrix, I mean, our thoughts. And that our thoughts are in complicity with other humans. We all like operate on similar beliefs that mm, this is the world, we're separate, these are individual beings and they have identity. For example, in the COVID context, I'm in someone who is resistant to wearing a mask or I'm someone who believes the science or I am someone who won't let them put a poison in my body in the form of a vaccine, or I am someone who won't let a poison get into my body in the form of COVID, and I'll do everything I can to try to reach COVID zero in my own life and in the lives of others. And identity, identity, identity. I'm a liberal, I'm a conservative, I'm a libertarian, I'm alt-middle, which is my identity in this go-round. That's my seat assignment. So identity, it, oh, I'm an Israeli, I'm a Jew, I'm Kanye West. I'm, you know, 
Donald Trump, whatever it is, or I'm aligned with that. Identity, 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 identity. And we will, as humans, we're conditioned to defend that separation, that identity, that tribe, that vision to the death, whether it's a psychic death, meaning I will fight tooth and nail emotionally for the, to protect this identity, or whether it's physical in the form of warfare, violence. And those are all projections of identity. Because when identity is seen for what it is, which is thought, belief, ephemeral stuff, the same stuff that I was pointing at earlier in the form of thought, it comes out of nothing. And where attention goes, where your awareness sits, if it sits in thought and it doesn't know it's sitting in thought, it's identified with thought. And if this thought is, I am a conservative, you know, Christian, whatever, whatever the thought is, I am a liberal atheist. If that's the thought and you're identified with that thought, then for all intents and purposes, that's what you are in that moment. You're lost, you're asleep because you're identified with something that is ephemeral and is effectively a dream. When people talk about waking up, they're talking about this, waking up from the dream of identification with thought, with mind, believing thoughts. And how do you wake up from that? Well, it can be as simple as looking at the thoughts as thoughts and then continuing to investigate. So who am I then? And an example would be in this moment, in this very moment, um, you know, as George Shepard says, we constantly construct separation. In this very moment, I have a stream of thoughts that are creating an apparent self. There's a thought that I have a body because in my peripheral vision, I can see my legs, I can see my chest or my arms. And so there's a thought, body, and that thought actually has another thought associated with it, position and space, which is also a thought. And then the thought that I'm separate from the camera or from this room or from my experience, thought, 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 thought. And it happens so quickly because it's a kind, consciousness is a kind of a pool of awake experience and thoughts just arise in the pool. And as they spin up, they reflect each other and it almost instantly spins up a world. And that's a world we believe. And we believe it even more because other people tell us it's true. We're complicit with other humans in spinning up the world. So what do you think happens on a meditation retreat that's silent? One of the first things that happens is you're forced to watch your mind without the complicit construction of a world from other humans because they're not talking to you and you're not talking to them. And the initial days of those retreats are crazy because all you see is a storm of thoughts a lot of times. Depending on how many retreats you've done, you just see how crazy your mind is and you think, oh my God, it's making it worse. It's not. That's what your mind does always. It's constantly spinning up a thought world. And then as things start to calm down because you're watching the mind and you're realizing, oh wait, who's watching this mind? I thought I was the mind. There's something there that's aware of the thoughts. What's that? Maybe I can look in this very moment 
for what is looking at this very moment. And then see if it's what you thought it was. See if it's what you felt before you were, this maybe this self behind your head or this self in the center of your chest. Okay, okay, if that's what's looking, then how is it that I'm experiencing that? What is experiencing that? What's looking at that? Can that be myself if it can be seen by myself? <laughs> you, it, this is not mystical stuff, guys. This is pure and simple scientific reasoning. My true self must be something that can't be seen by my true, in, in other words, what's looking probably can't obviously see itself. So if I think I'm this behind my head, this little sense field, but I'm seeing that sense field, well then keep looking. Keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. And I'll give you a little spoiler. Remember I mentioned the silence between words. You can look at that as the gap between those thoughts or images or beliefs when things get quiet. And sometimes meditation is the best way to achieve this. And on a retreat, it becomes the silence becomes the loudest thing in the room. It's a kind of a presence, an awakeness, a no-thingness that it's also everything because everything appears to it. To you, that pure sense of I, before you say, I am something, I am. What is that? What is that, that I am? Oh, a thought just came up. Oh, I, I am this. Okay, no, no, no. Keep looking. I am. that stillness at the center of you where there's no center, where it's everything. And that stillness deepens. And the gap between the thoughts you can't say a word about it because a word is just a thought is another appearance in that who are you when there's no thought Who are you right now? And then thoughts will come back and you just keep looking. And that's the practice. Let's read some comments and then I wanna tell you why we even do this. Like what has my experience been with this? And <laughs> 
Yeah, it's very hard to talk about. Let's read some comments. Ashley Stewart, I'm just sitting here smiling during the silence between your words, right? And who's the I? So here is an example of my experience with this. It's day four of the retreat, we've been silent. During retreat, many experiences happen and they're all experiences. You can have mystical experiences. You can have almost psychic-like experiences. You can have um, visual experiences. You can have very difficult, painful emotions and repressed memories that come up. You can have all these things. And when I say you can have, meaning these experiences arise to the one that is you. And one of the experiences that arose for me on the fourth evening of the five-day retreat was doubt. So I'm sitting in the, in the cafeteria where we eat our communal meals in silence. I'm sitting on the floor because there are these, some of these chairs are on the floor and you can just sit there and I've finished eating and I'm just there and doubt, the emotion thought complex of doubt came to visit. And the thoughts were saying and the beliefs were saying, and they were associated with a kind of a, a feeling of just unease, of restlessness. Restlessness is the best way to describe it. They were saying, what are you doing here? You've left your family at home to come all the way to North Carolina to spend five days in silence eating vegetarian food being totally bloated <laughs> and you're not even gonna wake up in the sense that people talk about because you're not worthy of it. And a good example of why you're not gonna have that realization is that you're so asleep that you're having these thoughts right now. This shouldn't happen to someone who's realized their true nature. It's something like this. And I'm sitting there just really uncomfortable, like, mm. because one thing that happens is you become so attuned, so sensitized, that when there's suffering, you know it. You're not unconscious to it. You're like, oh, this is suffering. What's going on? And suffering, my friends, when you're attuned to it, is a kind of grace. And why would I say that? It's a kind of grace because it wakes you up instantly when you're attuned to it and you say, ooh, suffering. That's happening. Let me look at what's going on. And that's all it takes because what happened next was the question arose because I'd been practicing self-inquiry. Who is it that's having this doubt? And then you look and you're not looking for a conceptual answer. You're looking in the absolute now moment, just this, before the mind, before I am this, I am that, before anything arises, you're saying, 
Who is having this doubt right now? And you look. And when I looked, of course, I didn't find this little separate self who was having a doubt. What I experienced was the empty radiance of this moment perfectly expressing itself. Doubt, thought, everything perfectly expressing itself, perfectly managed only now as a radiant appearance of everything happening to no one, no separate self, no Zubin. Zubin was the appearance in this. And I just started laughing right there on the ground because it felt crazy that this perfection could be misapprehended as all this suffering, all this separation, all this struggle. Identity, identity, identity. I'm a straight cis male. I'm a trans woman. I'm a conservative, you know, Texan. I'm a liberal San Franciscan. Story, 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 story. All of which is absolutely fine. A perfect expression of what you actually are, which is radiant, alive, nowness, and that's not even scratching the surface of what you are, what we are. And you can know that. You can, you can, you are that now, but you're, you are that, most people are, are that unknowingly. They're unconscious to what they actually are, but they've never not been what they are. And in a way, it feels like how you felt what you remember feeling like as a very young child, like you're everything, like all this appearance, everything is happening in you, not to you. It's happening in and as you. And even the idea of you, even that idea of identity, the subtlest threads of identity collapse into just the radiant expression of this moment, the sights, the colors, the sound, a single sound fills the entire sense field. It's the whole cosmos. And it's and there's no listener. There's no perceiver. There's just the sound. It becomes impossible to talk about. But absolutely as obvious as looking at your hand when you experience in that way. Melissa Malone says, lately I just wait. And what keeps coming is to just give myself grace when all the thoughts come flooding in. That's beautifully put. So what happened with me with doubt? I just surrendered. Okay, there's doubt. What's looking at the doubt? What's aware of the doubt? Just a simple inquiry, a subtle investigation. And that can be enough to short circuit the thought train, take attention and awareness out of thought and into itself. Awareness aware of itself. There is this field of awakeness 
we're all experiences swimming in this awake awareness. And so that doubt, that thought that I thought was me, or that even referred to me. So yeah, you'll never wake up is the doubt. What's it referring to? Look, look for the thing that that thought is referring to and keep looking. Because whatever you find, it's gonna be a thought. So keep looking. Sensation, a thought, a belief, keep looking, keep looking. That's the trick. That's all there is to it. Really, who are you? Jamie Vance, I cannot figure out how to balance ego abandonment and daily responsibilities. When I pour energy into one, I lose sight of the other. Ah. Uh, Remember one thing, when, and, and Angela said this, when you go to war with the ego, which is not a thing, it's just a series of thoughts, beliefs, sensations, processes that humans have evolved. Human consciousness has evolved this house of mirrors called ego that's designed to generate a separate self that exists in the world in space and time and has continuity. Now you can, as awareness, you can actually experience reality unfiltered as what it is, which is completely impermanent. There's no continuity. There's no space and time. There's only this and radiant phenomena happening and falling away in this moment, pure liberation. So that's one extreme. Then there's full ego identification where those radiant phenomenon have formed apparently into a structure that captures um, awareness and makes you think it's a real thing, the ego. So there's two mistakes I think you can make here. One is to try to go to battle with the ego and eliminate it because the thing that goes to battle with the ego to eliminate it is the ego. Because that's the only thing that can push on anything. Reality can't push on itself because there's only one. There's not two. What are you pushing on? Only a thought can push on another thought and it's only apparent because reality is seamless, it's unified. There's nothing to push and pull on. So you don't eliminate anything in reality because nothing, there's, it's impossible to talk about, <laughs> but it just is this one radiant thing. That's a no thing. You see, you can, words just bat, 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 but you can point in that direction, right? So trying to eliminate ego is, is a losing battle, but ignoring ego, the other extreme, saying, oh, it doesn't even exist, it's just an illusion. Guess who wins in that assessment? The ego, because ego is sneaky, meaning the process, this, this kind of energy. It will find a way to hijack everything in experience. So if you say there's no ego, it's like, ah, yeah, there's no ego. Don't worry about this. You're just, you're just super present, man. And in reality, you've just generated a spiritual ego, which says I'm super awake. I don't have an ego and so on. So what do you do? Just see it clearly. Oh, you can wear ego like a set of clothes. You can see it functioning but 
you can never again make the mistake that it's you. It's like every appearance. It's a radiant, miraculous appearance in and made of nothing. Complete, awake emptiness. All of this, including ego, including thought, including belief, including your history, is like the light flickering on a movie screen. And when we rip our eyes away from being identified with the movie, we look back and see the projector up there and the beam of light and go, what? And that's first awakening, like, holy crap, I thought I was the movie. Now I realize I'm sitting in a theater and the movie was just light. And then you start to think you are the light. I'm just the awakeness. And then even that can drop. And you're just, there's no you anymore. It's just everything happening out of emptiness, beautifully, perfectly, perfectly managed, orchestrated for no one. Pure liberation, pure freedom. And you can slip right onto your personality, onto your operating system and walk around the world. And it's very hard to be a dick if that happens because who are you being a dick to? It just doesn't. Um. <laughs> George Shepard, getting rid of ego is the biggest ego trip going. That's why in spiritual circles, there are so many loony teachers that are basically cult leaders. They're abusive. They sexually abuse um, their students. They have all kinds of, and it's like, well, where, what's going on there? I thought these people were awake. Yeah, they maybe had a degree of realization. But then the ego slips in and co-ops it. Meaning that pattern of energy. And it's not, if it's not seen through, if you haven't gone and done the further work of feeling all this repressed material of working through your baggage, meaning that operating system baggage, that personality baggage, that trauma, whatever it is, being with it. All, and, and working through it means simply allowing it to appear without resistance, without telling a story about it, without identifying with belief about it, just feeling it raw. And you do that on retreat a lot too. Oh man, do you do that? A lot of tough emotion arises and it's only called tough because of the label. So when you drop the label tough, when you drop the label doubt, what's underneath? Remember I said there was a feeling of restlessness was part of that complex of doubt that arose. So that's an emotion. And you can tell stories about it and go, well, I'm restless because I'm wasting my time in retreat. Or you can go, what's that? And feel the raw sensation that you were calling restlessness. What is it? It's an energy. And just allow it to be your entire being let it be seen for what it is. It's an energy that wants, if you're gonna personify it, you could say it wants to be seen for what it is. Well, when you do that, watch what happens. I won't, I won't spoil it. I'll just say, there's no comparison with that approach versus telling stories about it or you know, sitting in therapy for years about it, which there's nothing wrong with therapy, but like, if you're just telling stories about your emotions, I think it's time to feel your emotions raw. And then you can do therapy and all that simultaneously. But if, if, if your therapist is just basically having you tell different stories about the same crap, so you're just replacing one type of resistance with another, uh, another socially acceptable resistance, that's not shadow work. That's not 
processing your baggage. And then you end up with a ego that's still being a, a dick <laughs> to you and others. Um, let's see some comments here. A scientist is a kid who never grew up, Neil deGrasse. Yeah, I mean, science is a beautiful aspect of the living truth of reality. Like, look for yourself, you don't find one. What you find is this radiant, oh, I can't tell you what you find because you can't put it in words, but we'll just put a word, we'll put a phrase on it. Radiant, empty, awake, aliveness, living truth manifesting in this moment. And how it manifests is in the predictability precision and beauty and power of the scientific method and approach to discovering how things work in the relative manifest consciousness complicit world. How beautiful is that? And again, it's a kind of awe that arises, awe. You can feel that awe by dropping into what you are. Like, okay, who am I? What am I? Hey, sorry to interrupt this episode, it's Dr. Z. Just a quick pitch here. If you can just leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, it helps us a lot. I also wanna hear what you think about this episode when you're done listening. Hello at zdogmd.com. It's the best way for me to hear your voice because the emails come right to me and we don't have a comment section on most podcast platforms. Maybe Spotify has one, but nobody else does. So it really gets your voice involved on episodes, especially that don't have a video. And the third thing is, if you wanna be a part of this community and support the show, join our supporter tribe, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. You can join on YouTube, Locals, Facebook, Instagram. You get live videos with me where we're talking about these things in depth, uncensored, and your comments are fully incorporated as in real time. And then we do these Zoom meetings where it's really like a beautiful community where we share our experiences on the awakening journeyless journey. How are we gonna transform ourselves so we can transform healthcare and education and government? Because those systems are epiphenomena of us. Until we wake up, those systems will stay asleep. They'll, they're just an expression of our own delusion. So being a part of that, it supports this message so others can hear it. And it also allows for our own collective growth. So we need each other in that way. It's really, really, really tightly interwoven and interdependent. That's it. Back to your regular schedule, regularly scheduled show. Melissa Malone, you let the feelings come but you just learn how to deal uh, with it and face them in a manner in which you're able to get through it. And, and you know, and, and, and here's a question. There is this sense, and this comes up on retreat, it comes up whenever you're doing emotion stuff. I don't think I can bear this emotion. I don't think I can bear this feeling or this image or this memory that arises. I don't think I can bear the, the fear or the anxiety or the sadness or the grief or the frustration or the jealousy or the whatever. And then the curious question, and it has to be done with true curiosity. Who is it that can't bear these things?
This moment right now is boundless, infinite, wide awake, and not tarnished by any of the ephemeral, impermanent appearances that happen within and as it. And when that's seen, that's the, the deep self-inquiry, this is I am. Every emotion is welcome as it is. Every thought is welcome as it is. Every sensation is welcome as it is. Every sound is welcome exactly as it is because it could be no other way and that is intuitively known in your deepest, deepest being. It's not a concept, it is known to be the case. And that's why I started laughing in that dining hall because it's just hilarious. And the joke is being told by your infinite self on no one. I mean, it's the joke is on no one. It's just indescribable. <laughs> Joe, it's less scary if you just surrender to it. You stop giving emotion the power. Surrender is the operative word in all of this pursuit. Surrender to the inquiry, who am I? Surrender to the emotion that arises in this moment. Surrender to the storm of thoughts that's keeping you up at night instead of resisting. Because remember, the resistance to the thought is another thought. So it's almost like two thoughts are pushing on each other. And in order to, to allow, to relax, I mean, this is gonna sustain itself. It's a kind of energy. In order to allow and relax that, you have to see the resistance and let it be. And then <laughs> the thought is what it is, right? That's just how it is. Just realized I don't remember if I actually set my focus on this camera. Am I in better focus? Probably not. You don't want me in good focus. You want a beauty filter on me, which I wish I knew how to do. Um, Cody, I'm not the surrender type, more of the perseverance or perseverance type. So I'm just curious who this I is that you're talking about. Who is this person that can be one type or another? Is that actually what you are? Um, and again, I'm asking curiously, like, oh, is that what I am? I'm the perseverance type, not the surrender type. Okay, so who is the I I'm talking about? Oh, it's me. Okay, so who's me? It's this. Okay, so who's this? Who's aware of the perseverance type? That's all you need to do, really. George Shepard, Popeye, I am what I am and that's all what I am, exactly. Popeye was a, a spiritual master. 
Rigpa, resistance, aversion is futile. <laughs> it is. What are you resisting? Do you think you can really change this moment? Really? If you think that, ask who. Who is, who's actually able to do that? And then look for that. Resistance arises. And I actually, I took a note during the, during the retreat when I knew this, again, deep in the being, you just know. And the reason I wrote it down is I, is I knew that the doubt mass of thought was going to eventually deny this was the case or forget it, or have, have the sense of the separate self forget it. So I wrote it down and it was this. Um, just feel everything, even the resistance. That's it, that's what I wrote. Just feel everything, even the resistance. That's it, that's it. That's the ultimate surrender. It's allowing yourself to feel everything, even the resistance that's present, that is conditioned, that is not in anyone's control, it's just happening. So feel it. Oh, there's resistance. Oh, there's resistance to feeling. Okay, so what's there? What's underneath that? Just this. Oh, just the sensation. And maybe you have a physiologic response. Maybe you laugh, maybe you cry, maybe you sit still, maybe you're silent, but you're allowing all of it. You're not resisting any of it. Albina says, how to be deep inside yourself when outside is dangerous enough? War, I'm Ukrainian. I'm really sorry for what y'all are going through. Albina, how to be deep inside yourself when outside is dangerous enough? War, I am Ukrainian. So of course, there are life circumstances in the relative world that are very difficult. And you do spontaneously what it takes to manage those. It just happens. You go where it's a little safer, you move here, you move there. Sometimes it doesn't work. That's how life unfolds. But even in the most difficult circumstances, and again, it's easy for me to say this, sitting in a chair thousands of miles away in the relative safety of the San Francisco Bay Area, and I say relative safety because at any moment this place is going to crumble into the ocean with a big earthquake. I'm just saying we're due for one, so Bay Area people be ready. Um, it's easy for me to say that, but the truth is even in those circumstances, your true nature hasn't changed an iota. And recognizing that what you actually are allows the spontaneous living of your life, because that's what's happening anyways, without resisting what is, which means often, <laughs> and there's no, you have no choice in this because this is just how things unfold. Everything is perfectly managed. It's going to go how it goes. And without the resistance, Often there are these synchronicities and beautiful coincidences that are noticed that just click into place. 
And so even in those, and by the way, what's creating that war, what's creating that situation, the only criminal that has ever existed, the, the source of all evil in the world, unconscious ego identification. I identify as this, I identify with this. I am a Russian and here's our history. I am a Ukrainian, here's our history. I am all that. Is, is what generates all the violence in the world because your true nature couldn't care less about those identities. They're just appearances. Um, yeah. So anyways, thoughts going out to you, Albina. Um, Rigpa. When suffering, run or turn thoughts to the comfort of others. Others is the path to actual happiness. That's interesting. Sounds very Tibetan. I love it. Vicky Doc, connection with everything is so amazing when we tap in. And the thing is, we're always in. The, I mean, there, it's just we we're on awake to it, apparently. When you are able to just drop your future and your past as thoughts, because that's what they are. All time is just a thought. Space is just a thought. And you just look right here in this, just this. And understand that everything is perfectly managed at, at the root of reality and is expressing itself ephemerally and beautifully, perfectly, right now. When you really know that, it will just make you laugh. <laughs> You'll just say this, it's just this, it's perfect. Even when it's horrible from the standpoint of the mind. Eric sent a super chat, thank you. I get and appreciate what you're saying, but I don't know how to balance with injustice and malevolence is that not worth changing? Evil thrives on complacency. Oh, totally. The complacency of believing that you have control over the world and that you aren't the world. The complacency of believing that there are sinister forces arrayed against you. Nisargadatta, Indian sage said this best, he said, Forget the reforms and mind the reformer. So by actually understanding your true nature and waking up, what you manifest in the apparent outside world is right action, is the action that's supposed to happen. And if that action is you go on a crusade to fight injustice, you become an activist, you enter politics, you whatever it is, you do it from a place of awake awareness in your own self where you are no longer projecting onto others your own unconscious shit. And if that sounds difficult to hear, it's because it is for all of us. So much of the time we're projecting our own stuff onto others and we don't know it because we're completely unconscious. And so we've externalized 
evil. And yeah, terrible things happen out in, in the apparent external world, but without this, that is never gonna get better. That's the history of all humans. We need to wake up. And your point is very well taken that it sure could feel to the mind like a kind of complacency, like, oh man, everything is Zen. Like, I don't need to fix the world because everything's perfectly managed in the unborn. That's not how it's actually manifest. That's a, that's a misapprehension, I think, from the, from the standpoint of thought, which, because I have it too. I used to have that as well. Like, oh, these guys who say this kind of stuff, they just don't understand how the world works. It's like, keep looking, keep looking, keep feeling into that. And you'll be surprised at how things start to click in the world and your actions are connected to all that. But in order for those actions to manifest spontaneously without projection, you gotta wake up to what you are. Rebecca says, and it sends ripples outward. Totally, yeah, absolutely. I mean, everything is all connected. So fix yourself first before you can have a hope of making the world better in a non-egoic, non-projection-based way that actually makes it worse. You know what I mean? So that's a great question, Eric, thank you. Melissa, if I have things overwhelming me, I will stop and literally breathe and focus on the breath to help things or to stop or slow my mind. So there's abs that's a beautiful way to do it. And those are great techniques for managing thought storms, anxiety, those kind of things, absolutely. And I, I think what I'm also pointing at is there's always this other additional kind of understanding, which is, again, looking, you can do that to start to cool things down enough that you can then look for what's looking, for what's having the experience that feels uncomfortable and feel those resistance patterns. What am I resisting in this experience right now? To some degree, you could define awakening or enlightenment or whatever, liberation as never demanding anything of this moment that isn't here. And that doesn't mean you don't spontaneously act to, to that then leads to a different future moment. It's just, there's no resistance to what the present moment is showing you, even when it's difficult. You just spontaneously act. And there isn't even a you doing that. It's just, again, oh, how do I say this without sounding fucking totally weird? Um, your true nature is perfectly managing the appearances of this present moment, perfectly managing it, there's no real doer in your apparent self. It's just perfectly radiating. But the thing is, when you don't know that, you get the sense that you're a doer that can resist what's happening in the present and can change things in the future and so on, and it tries to do that. And it does generate suffering, but it, you get the sense that that's actually you're actually changing things. 
when you actually experience through realization, meaning you realize this for yourself, nobody can tell you, nobody, you can't believe it, that's a thought. When you realize your true nature, living truth unfolding right now for all of us, perfectly, then it's almost like the character that you thought you were is now seen as a character, it's seen as a story, and it can be lived spontaneously, almost like a ride, almost like a VR that's running itself, but that you can feel everything in. And there's, so spontaneously things are just happening and you're experiencing it as that, but without the identity as this separate struggling self that's constantly suffering. And it changes life entirely. And, I, and I, listen, I'm not saying I'm there. I'm saying, <laughs> if anything I can say, I say I've had those peak glimpse experiences, particularly right around meditation retreats. And it's so clear that I wrote this down actually, during one of those clarities of realization. I wrote it in all caps. I wrote, there is no doubt in true nature, living truth. Doubt can be there, but it refers to nothing. In other words, it's a thought that refers to nothing. It's just an appearance in your true nature, showing up effortlessly and perfectly. And then I wrote self can be there, meaning the sense of self that I'm talking about, but it refers to nothing. So you can put on this self as, a, as an outfit, knowing that it's a, it's a roller coaster ride that you're riding on and never getting confused that you're somehow controlling the ride. Um, and then I wrote, it'll make you laugh seriously. <laughs> Um, and again, guys, like I, I, and this is funny, Adam says, so you're high. This is like, what I love about this, this is a common comment. When, when people hear this kind of way of talking, it does sound like something someone on drugs would say, because people on drugs often have at least glimpses of this kind of experience, although it's clouded and it's often... Yeah, let's just say it's not clear, um, but you can have little glimpses, little tastes of it. And to some extent, it's what the mind, the thinking mind would interpret when someone points like this, because the mind can't go where I'm pointing. It is incapable of doing that. It is not designed to understand or know anything about its true nature or living truth or this perfection that I'm pointing at. And so, to go there, you go beyond your thinking mind. To know this, you have to go to the unknown and the unknowable from the standpoint of the mind. And how do you do that? It's a, it can be as simple as asking the question, who am I right now before thought, before identity, before belief, before past, before future, right now, who am I? And look there, not with thought, just look in experience at what is looking. Look for it. 
And if you think you can put words on it, if you can describe it, if you can perfectly delineate it with a thought, it's not it. Step says it's uh, sort of high, yes, but it's the same high you get when you understand something difficult, a sort of euphoria. Yeah, it is interesting. There's an emotional valence that arises when you experience, when you, when you do self-inquiry and you touch into living truth, your true nature. And it's, you know, I think what, what did Christ call it? The, the peace that passeth all understanding. It's a kind of a euphoria that's a, that doesn't have an opposite. It's like a joy without an opposite. I think that partially explains the spontaneous laughter. Just, <laughs> whoa. It's just indescribable. Um, Shane Close says, uh, we will all find the answers to who we are. My name might be Shane Close, but that's all it is. Words given to me, not who I am. Learning that is the journey. Yeah, well put. I mean, this is a manifestation of this moment and it's perfection. And, and again, like I need to clarify something that you probably already picked up on. I'm on this journey with you. I don't point very well to it, but when I, when I drop into it, the, the, the words are coming from nowhere, from that place, where you are right now, either knowingly or unknowingly, depending on what your practices or non-practice has been. Sometimes it's a non-practice. People spontaneously wake up, um, Sumosley, it's ecstatic. It's a good word, e ecstasy. Eric says, is there a way to observe the ego and remain separate or ego uh, remain separate while also empowering it to have as much agency to do true good? So Eric, I would say this, like understanding that ego is what it is and it's not you by its true nature of that realization empowers radically authentic action in the world, authentically what you are, even as an appearance, as ego, as a character, that character is often living a bit of a lie. It's worried about social conventions, all of this. It doesn't really know what and who it is. When it wakes up to what and who it is, and it does the work of, then going through all the shadow and the dark night and the emotion work and feeling it and clearing itself out and emptying those last vestiges of identity, then it acts in a spontaneously authentic and true way, true authenticity. And that is beautiful to behold. And everybody knows people like this, that just you just go, wow, that person is who they are, unadulterated who they are, and it's wonderful. Yeah, Rebecca Davis, I love the video on YouTube where the woman awakens and can't stop laughing. So incredible. That, that's what it is. It's it's um, Papaji video and he's in India and this um, uh, European woman comes and, and asks him a question and says, I wanna know who I am. I, I wanna know who is me. Like, what is me? 
I want to find me. That's what she asked. And she's probably, they've probably been on retreat for a month or something. She's exhausted. She's at the end of what her mind can do. Her mind is given up. And she goes to him in the Q and A and he sits in, she sits in front of him and he just points to her. She says, okay, so you, you're looking for you. How do you find you? Do you get on a train? Do you need to go somewhere to find you? Do you get on a plane? Do you get on a boat? Do you walk? She's like, no. So how far are you from you? How far are you? And she goes, no distance. And he says, yes, that's right. No distance. Stop. Look there. Don't move. Don't move a thought. Stay there at no distance. <laughs> and she just starts laughing, just like I just did. because your true nature just hits you on the head. <laughs> and there's nothing you can say about it. You can't say a word about it. So she just laughs. It's a great video <laughs> if you get a chance to see it. Rebecca says it best, thought creates distance. That's right. Distances only exist in thought. Thank you, Eric. I'm glad uh, I, I, you're, I, I didn't totally lead you astray. Cody says, seeking that which we already possess. Exactly. And here's the, here's the paradox of seeking. And what's doing the seeking? It's the ego mind, right? But there's a saying in Zen that you can't find awakening, enlightenment by seeking, yet only seekers find it. Little paradox to the mind, but remember reality is not the mind. The mind appears in reality. To reality, that's not a paradox. That's just how it is. What's the name of that video, Patricia? It's called um, Enlightenment in Four Minutes, something like that. And you can search Papaji, P-A-P-A-J-I. Can you guys hear my stomach rumbling? Ooh. Z-Dog hungry. Um, yeah, Papa G. Angelo turned me onto that video and I, I, it's, it's really amazing. It's really amazing. Um, it's our nature, Cody, that's right. All right. I think we did a thing here uh, or we didn't. And who did it? Look for that. <laughs> and then look for who's looking. Who's asking who am I? Look for that. It's hours of fun, people outside of space and outside of time. <laughs> Anyways, that was Sunday Zen. Um, I don't know if this would make a good audio podcast. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it would even make a good video. I never know because as soon as I do it, this sort of doubt mind comes back and it's like, yeah, you're an idiot. What, what were you even talking about? <laughs> but at the moment, certainly feels like that's the right thing to do. That's our entire experience. We're not the author of any of this. Um, 
Sue Balin says, I just ate a whole rotisserie chicken. Recommend. Now you're cooking with gas, Sue. I thought I'd come away from this retreat being hella vegetarian and vegan. I tried it for a few days and then I was like, you know what? I'm not sure I even understand that there are separate beings anymore. So me eating a chicken, as long as someone didn't torture that chicken to death, um, doesn't feel so wrong. But yeah, I just don't know. Food has become a kind of religion. Ashley says, I just had a spontaneous moment of tears again. Thank you so much for this today. Yes, all the emotion. Our true nature is, I mean, what we are, nothing can go wrong, really. It's all just as it is. And that even the hard stuff, which means we spontaneously act. And you can't, the things that arise, they aren't things you practice in order to get awake. Awakening actually can come part and parcel with boundless unconditional love and compassion, equanimity, all these things. You don't have to practice them, but you do have to do the work. You do have to do the shadow work and feel like Ashley's feeling all the raw emotions that come up without resistance. Or if there's resistance, feel the resistance too. Just be awake, be aware, be right here, right now. That's it. And if you want something more digestible than what, how I've been pointing, check out Eckhart Tolle. If you want a book that kind of points at this directly, my friend Angelo DeLulo, Awake, It's Your Turn. Excellent book. If you like having these conversations, I do a lot of it with my supporter group on YouTube, Facebook, and Locals. Join up. It's like five bucks a month. It kind of pays for all this. Um, or just subscribe on YouTube. Actually, I really love YouTube. If you want to subscribe on YouTube, we're going to be doing more and more of this stuff. If this is not your bag, you may just want to be like, meh, I'll wait for him to talk about something medical, which I'll still do. Or just unsubscribe. It's cool. Do what you spontaneously feel you need to do. But if you're triggered by all this, like very deeply triggered, that's exciting. Look there, look at why that might be. And then at some point, you may find yourself coming back when you're ready or not. That's all fine too. Um, all right. Hey, Shane, thank you for the time, Z-Dog. Namaste. Thank you for your great comments. And Cody as well. Um, <laughs> all right. Got to go. I love you guys. And uh, we are out. Peace. Hey, it's Dr. Z. Thanks for getting through the whole episode. That's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> and so at this point, I just got to ask you for a few favors because it just helps us so much if you leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. It, it just really helps the algorithm to get this message out to others. The second thing is email me, hello at zdogmd.com. I get all these emails personally. I can't respond to them all, but I need to hear your voice because especially on podcast, we don't have a comment section. And I wanna hear how this episode affected you, what you'd like to hear in the future, what you think we got wrong, what we think we got right, anything, anything, or just say hi. So that's really powerful. And the third thing is financially, it helps us a lot to support the show in any way you can. And if you go to zdogmd.com forward slash supporters, you can join our supporter tribe on your favorite platform, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever. What that will get you on those platforms is live shows with me that are exclusive for supporters. 
and access to our Zoom meetings where we talk about awakening realization and we share with each other our own experience. It's a powerful group effect. It's a community, really. And we support and love each other and share, again, through our own experience, how we're waking up. So, and that that ripples out into systems, into transforming healthcare and education and government. So it st- really starts with us. So join us there if you can. Again, zdogmd.com forward slash supporters. And I'm so grateful to have you with us.